Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Waterhouse Church, how are you? Come on, y'all can do better than that. How are you? What time do the Cowboys play? 12? No, no, I know you're not. I know you're not. I was going to say, this is the service that really loves the Lord because you're all here and the Cowboys play at 12 or whatever. So uh, honored to be here. First service was crazy, all right? Uh, so just be... Uh, I told the first service this. I told the um, the pre-meeting group uh, at 8:30 this, but I'm gonna say it to y'all. Um, I'm always expectant for what the Lord wants to do and what the Lord is going to do. Uh, there's some churches and some places that I have to force myself to be expectant. You know what I mean? Uh, and then there's other places where, man, it's easy to be expected. I just want you to know that whenever I came here this morning, it was easy to be expectant. That I believe that God is going to do something. God wants to do something. I don't know what to expect, but I do know you should be expecting something, all right? Uh, man, it's easy. The Spirit of the Lord is here. So be hungry. Uh, be sensitive to what he's doing. Have your heart be open. Who was here the very first time I came two and a half years ago? Anybody? Anybody? All of you with your hands down? That's rude, okay, that you weren't here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, I want to show a picture of my wife to you, me and my wife. Her name is Christina. Give it up. Give it up. Come on. Woo. Man, she's so pretty, so nice, awesome. Uh, she is sending me here to you. She's not able to be here today. She doesn't get to travel with me much on Sundays because she's the young adults pastor at our home church. But um, don't um, tell anybody she's transitioning in December. So if I get to come back to Waterhouse and I don't ruin it too much, she will be here the next time, all right? So you'll get to meet her. But she's always sad when she can't come. But that is Christina. And then the last time I was here, um, I talked to, I told a story about how I would never, ever, ever get a dog. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Lord, you know, does the impossible sometimes. Uh, and he sanctifies you and consecrates you, you know. It's a process from glory to glory, am I right? Uh, so that is Zion. She's our golden doodle. And you can tell she just likes laying around and doing nothing. So that's us. I just wanted to give you an update on just my family and what what's happening with us. Man, I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Pastor Neil and Pastor Debbie, for allowing us to be here. And 
I want to give you an update on um, Youth Alive. Uh, Pastor Dale talked about it a little bit, but what is Youth Alive? Man, we empower and we train students, high schoolers and middle schools, middle schoolers, to go into their schools and start Jesus clubs to reach their friends with the gospel of Christ. Um, we are seeing this happen by the dozens, all right, that students are saying that they don't care about what their friends say. They don't care about what people are going to do. They don't care even about their reputation, but they want to start a Jesus club and they want to reach their friends for Christ. I, I, yeah, I know that it can look bad out there. People can tell you how bad it is, but the truth of the matter is, yeah, in some areas, in some ways, it is really, really bad, but in other ways, it's really, really good because God is raising up a generation that is sold out for him. Over this next school year, we are believing and praying for 100 more Jesus Clubs to be launched. What are Jesus Clubs? Jesus Clubs are clubs that are student-led, church fed, so they're not led by a youth pastor. They're not led by me. They're led literally by students that are in churches just like this, right? And uh, they are going out and they're sharing the gospel. They're reading the word of God. They're praying for their schools. They're leading their friends to Jesus, all because God spoke to them to do so. Let me tell you about Joseph. He's over in Fort Worth, Texas. He was at Southwest High School. He started a Jesus club with three students. And then it grew from three to five, then five to 10, and then 10 to 20, and then 20 to 30. And then eventually it got to around 50, I believe, if I'm telling the story right. And then at the end, man, they were seeing people save, man. They, man, they, it, it was crazy all in and of itself. But then he said, hey, we are going to do a Jesus rally in our high school last May. So we were like, yo, we'll come alongside of you. We'll help you, all of that. He preached. His team led it. They organized it. We were just there to support and to celebrate. And can I tell you, in the middle of a school day, in the middle of a high school in Fort Worth, Texas, 167 students came to the Jesus rally, and 27 students said yes to Jesus. <clears throat> Not only that, Joseph moved schools, so he made sure that there was a leader for the one in Fort Worth, and now he started another club in Saginaw High School. Come on, right? Multi-site, right? Like, come on. Like, we're, doing, we're doing two, all of that. Man, we have a, a club in Waxhachie. We have several in Waxhachie. It's kind of the hub right now. But we have one in Waxhachie that has anywhere from 90 to 110 students meeting in it every single week. It's incredible. In a public high school. We have a student that went to one of our events. It was the call rally, right? And he came from that event because we had trained them how to share the gospel. We had trained them how to do all this stuff. And literally that next week in school, that student led one of his friends to Jesus in a public high school. Right? <clears throat> Last one I'll share just because... Well, I don't have enough time. Um, so, but the last one I'll share is about Josiah. He's up in Garland, and uh, he started a Jesus club. It was never bigger than 10 students every single week. Um, 
you know, it would be 10 students one week, eight students the next, six, then 10. But throughout the school year, he, through that Jesus club, saw and led 10 people to Christ in one school year. Come on. And that's not it. The coolest part is one of those 10 that he led to Jesus was a Buddhist. His whole family was Buddhist. He was a practicing Buddhist. He gives his life to the Lord and now is secretly reading the Bible in his home that is full of Buddhists. How awesome is that, right? And Josiah, the Jesus Club owner and leader that we've partnered with and we've equipped and we've helped their youth pastor and everything like that, is discipling that former Buddhist now in Christ. Come on, man. Jesus is moving through the schools. Jesus is touching students' hearts. Jesus is still saving people, not just in churches, but outside of the church. But he's using his church to do it. And he's not just using 30, 40, and 50-year-olds. He's using 14, 15, 16, and 17-year-olds. And that's what we get to do. We're training youth pastors on how to go from attractional youth ministry to missional youth ministry. Uh, what does that look like? How do they do it? Because the next wave of youth ministry is not going to be the lights. It's not going to be the, the giveaways. It is going to be the power of God wrecking a generation and then sending them out like Jesus did in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Amen. So with all that, here's what I'm going to ask. My thing is up there. If you want to give to us or become a financial partner, there's some people in this church. Waterhouse, obviously, as a church supports us, but there's other individuals through this church that supports us. If you want to do that, hey, I, we would love that. That means so much to us. But even if not, that's okay. This is all my information. I'm going to ask that you would at least start praying for us. You would pray for the schools. You would pray for the schools in Weatherford. You would pray for uh, the schools in America, the schools in Texas, the schools in North North Texas and pray for us as we try to kick in every single uh, middle school and high school door there is for Jesus, right? Our mission and vision is to occupy all schools, every single school. There's 98,000 middle schools and high schools in America. We are believing to have a Jesus club in every single one. And we believe that with your help and with God, it is possible, right? So, hey, we're about to pray. We're going to get into it. Don't worry. I haven't even started preaching yet, okay? Uh, uh, but, hey, we're, some, of, some of you laughed and some of you uh, rolled your eyes. That was rude. Uh, but um, we're about to pray, and I want to, you to pray over the service, but then we're going to pray over the schools. Is that okay? And we're going to pray over Weatherford High School. We're going to pray over that middle school that's right across the, right across the street. Um, there's, some, there's some Jesus clubs that are happening that I don't even know about. I just found out there was a Jesus club at that middle school, and I don't even know. <laughs> Sometimes we don't even know. Students just start it. Students just do it, right? So we're going to pray. So if you could, lift up your voices with me, that you would intercede with me as I intercede. Father, we just pray over today. We pray this morning that your spirit would be here in such a way. I pray that every heart would be open and softened. Every mind would be open to hear your word and to receive it. I pray that it would fall on good, good soil 
and it would bear good, good fruit. Lord, we lift up the schools to you right now in Jesus' name. We lift up the schools of America to you. We lift up the schools of Texas to you. And we, we declare and command them to open their doors in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray over youth ministries that they would raise up youth pastors and raise up students that are willing to say, I'll go into my middle school. I'll go into my high school. I'll go into my football team or my theater department or my, or my band or whatever it is. And I'll start a Jesus club and I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to see people come to know Jesus. I'm going to see people come to know Jesus. Lord, we pray, for, we pray for Weatherford High School. We pray for this middle school that's right across the street from Waterhouse Church. God, we pray that their doors would be open, that you would send students, you would send pastors, you would send volunteers there to reach the faculty, the administration, and the students, Lord. God, nothing is too great. Nothing is too big for you. So Lord, we pray that you would do it and that we would see a move of God in the schools. We'd see a move of God in students. We'd see a move of God even in teachers. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 I'm going to start by telling a story of the very first time I got filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, how many of you uh, grew up Pentecostal. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Cool, cool. Um, oh, oh, right here. Whatever that means. <laughs> See, I would have understood that, but I, I grew up Catholic, which I don't know if you know this, that's like anti-Pentecostal. It's like the opposite. It's the antonym of Pentecostal. Catholic, all right? All we did is we come in, we'd sit down, we'd stand, we'd kneel, sit, stand, kneel. It was like head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Uh, but, but I grew up Catholic, all right? So, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't even know what Pentecostal was. I didn't know what Assembly of God was. I didn't, I didn't know anything other than St. Elizabeth Catholic Church, okay? But my friend from the neighborhood invited me to, ch to church and then invited me to youth camp. It's a Pentecostal youth camp. It's the one that, that Waterhouse Youth goes to um, right now. Come on. Right? And he invites me. And he says, hey, I want you to come to youth camp with me. I'm like, I don't know what that is. He's like, well, all you need to know is there's food, games, and girls. I was like, I was like, I can be Pentecostal. Amen, brother. <laughs> uh, um, again, I had no idea what it was, but I, he, he got me there. He was there. So, you know, and he was right. There was food, there was games, and there was girls. And again, I was like, okay, I can get used to this, whatever. So then the first night of camp, powerful service as usual, boom, I get saved. Come on, somebody. Like I give my life to Jesus. Uh, all right? I'm a changed man. I don't know what that means, but I'm a changed man now. And then the second night, I don't remember it at all. So I don't, maybe I fell asleep. I don't know. The third night, though, well, really the third day, you know, we're playing games, we're, we're, we're hooping, we're playing football, we're at the lake, we're having a good time. And everybody's like, yo, 
you know what tonight is? And I'm like, Wednesday nights. And they're like, no, it's Holy Spirit night. And I'm like, I only know Holy Mary, okay? I don't know Holy Spirit. I was like, I'm not coming. Well, they make you come, obviously. So I came and I showed up and whatever. And uh, I, I don't remember the sermon, don't remember the worship, nothing. All I remember is the altar call. The pastor's like, if you want all God has for you, come get down to this altar right now. And I was like, Yes, sir. And uh, so I, I come and I'm like, I want all you have for me. I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm saying, God, come on, give it to me. I want all of it. Boom, 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 boom. And I look over and people are falling down. <laughs> this is an anomaly to me. I've never seen this happen. So I did what any Catholic would do. I went this way. Mm -mm. Nope. So I'm over here. I'm still praying, making sure that guy's not getting close to me. And, uh, okay, so then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, another person comes up to me. Boom, forehead. You know a prayer serious when somebody does this. Just know, if you don't know that, now you do, okay? That's serious business, okay? There's like different ranges. Just like there's different ranges in worship, there's different ranges of prayer. Like this, not that important. This, more important. This, very important. Uh, so anyway, uh, again, right? So I'm like, boom, I'm like, Okay, whoa. Uh, and he starts praying over me. I'm praying. I get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody, right? Like, this is real. Like, I'm being real. Okay? And again, I'm not making light of anything like that because you'll, you'll see what, what I'm talking about. But I remember being like, I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, um, I know why they're falling now. To seal all this, I have to fall. So I was like, here goes nothing. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm serious. Like, hey, trust me. And I just want to say this. For all my, I'm, I'm Pentecostal. My kids are going to be Pentecostal. And I'm not against falling out. And I believe that it's real. It just wasn't for, it wasn't real for me at that moment. Because <laughs> I just was ignorant, right? I didn't know what it was. So I'm laying on the ground and I have my eyes closed. But occasionally I'd be like, we done? All right, we ain't done. All right, cool. Right? But, you know, it, it was obviously immature, ignorant thinking. But many times, especially in that moment, I thought that, oh, just because something's happening externally, that automatically means something is happening internally. And... I think that a lot of times we still think and we still believe that today. That just because things are happening or great or amazing on the outside, well, that automatically means that God must be really proud of me and doing something on the inside. 
But I think we know that that's not really true, right? That it can be really good, awesome, and amazing out here and things really not be happening or things bad are happening in here, right? In the same breath, it could be really bad. There'd be a fi- there could be fires and storms and attacks happening out here, but God really be doing something in here, right? Like, 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 let's be honest. Like, that's what it looks like. And many times within Christianity, we measure our lives. We measure our impact. We even measure what God is doing or wanting to do in our lives. We measure it like this. We measure the length, we measure the height, we measure how great it is, but we forget to measure what's happening in here. Let me show you what I mean. Like, we're like this, we're like, man, bank account looks good, right? But if you're not tithing, that doesn't matter to God, (laughs) Right? Now, I had to make sure I said this in the first service. God cares about you. So, yes, he wants to provide for you. He wants to do all of that. But he doesn't care if your bank account is full, if your spirit is empty. Y'all get what I'm saying, right? He doesn't care how many people follow you on Instagram, or how many employees you have working under you if you are not even leading yourself or your family spiritually. Y'all hearing this, right? He, he doesn't care if you've been in church 400, look, this is what we do. We're like, yo, I've been in church. 472 consecutive days. Man, that looks pretty awesome, right? He doesn't care if you've been in church 472 days, but you haven't let him do anything in your life. He could care less. Y'all hearing me, right? And that's what I'm trying to communicate today is it's not always what's happening out here that shows or reveals what's happening in here. And many times we try to measure our life, measure our impact, measure our devotion to God, measure whatever it is like this. And this is what we do a lot. We're like, oh, theirs is like this, but mine's right here. I feel really good about myself, right? I'm doing better than them. They're here. God, I'm, I'm here. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care. You know that, right? He, he doesn't compare you to other people. He compares you to you. He doesn't care about that stuff. And, and what happens is we can so easily measure external things. And God doesn't measure like that. It actually happens in 2 Samuel, right? When, um, when the prophet Samuel goes to look for the next king of Israel, right? He shows up to Jesse's house looking for the next king of Israel. He knows the next king of Israel is at Jesse's house. And this is what it says starting in verse 6. It says, when they came, talking about Samuel, 
he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. What is God saying? Don't look at this stuff. Don't look at his appearance. Don't look at his height. Don't look at his stature because I have rejected him. I've rejected him. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, yeah, he has a lot of followers. Yeah, he's a leader. Yeah, he's great, but I've rejected him completely. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel comes to Jesse's house. He knows the anointing of the Lord is there. He sees Eliab. He goes, surely this is him. Now, mind you, the Bible says this about Samuel. His words never fail to, fell to the ground. Why is that significant? His words never fell to the ground, yet he judged wrong. He measured wrong, which means very spiritual people can still measure wrong. So you are not exempt from this. You can measure wrong. I can measure wrong. Why? Because very spiritual people can still measure wrong. And if we are not careful, we can begin to measure our spiritual lives only by external things. Listen, I am glad you got a raise, but are you reading his word? I, 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 having a great friend group is needed and important, but are you still spending time with him? Like, coming to church is great, but are you in his presence at any other point in the week? Uh, man, maybe he, he, wants you, man, he wants you to listen to worship songs and Spotify is awesome, but is worship a lifestyle to you? Or is it only between 10.30 and 12 or 11 and 12.30 or whatever it is, right? Serving is good and we need people to serve, but have you surrendered everything to him. That's the difference between somebody that we look at and somebody that God looks at. Because what does God tell Samuel? The Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is not measuring the way that we measure. God is not looking at the things we look at. God is looking at the heart. God measures internal working, not just external works. Listen, God doesn't measure height. He doesn't measure your muscles. That's sad to me. He doesn't measure that. He doesn't measure how how great I am at speaking. He doesn't measure how I move a room. He doesn't measure any of that. God doesn't measure with a stick or a tape measure, right? God measures with a scale. People are feeling convicted right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, come back next week, all right? But listen, listen. This is what, this is what Proverbs 16.2 says. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, 
But the Lord weighs. Everybody say weighs. The Lord weighs the spirit. The spirit in a man. The spirit about a person. He doesn't measure what you do, how great you are, how great you think you are, how many people believe you or follow you or whatever. He doesn't measure this external stuff. He measures the weight of a person. He measures the substance of a person. He measures the character and integrity of a person. He measures what kind of discernment do you have? What kind of ability do you have to hear his voice? What kind of uh, passion do you have to read his word? What kind of hunger do you have to pray and intercede? He's measuring the weight of your life. At the end of this life, you will get to heaven and he will not do this to you. He will put your life on a scale. And the questions that will be being asked is not how many, not how much. It's just this. What was in you? What was on you? What were you carrying in your life? And what could you do? Not just out here, but what could you do in the spirit realm? What can you actually do in the spirit realm? Because this is what I have found. We, we, what I have found is weight, weight moves weight. Weight moves weight. I do work out here and there, and the guys that are way more than me usually can lift more than me. And the reason we need to get more weight in the spirit of God is so that we can move more things in the spirit realm. You know, we have too many people, too many churches, too many Christians that honestly, they can't move anything in the spiritual realm. They can't do anything. This is what they can do. They can move light stuff and easy stuff. Like, oh, this is light, right? This is easy. Like, I could, whatever. Like, this is, whatever this is, it's small. It's not big. It's not, it's not, it really can't even impact anybody. It really can't do anything, but I can move that. I, this is what this looks like. I can pray for my food. This is what this looks like. I can ask God to bless my day. Oh, I can maybe listen to some worship music at some point throughout the week. This looks like I can worship from 11 to 11.30, but you better be doing that closing prayer by 11.30. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all hearing me, right? Like, that's what this looks like. But, but God is looking for Christians who can move more than just this. But in order to move more than just this, you might have to get a little bit more spiritual weight in your life. 
Because that's what happened to the seven sons of Sceva, if you know this story in the book of Acts. They bring this demon-possessed man into the room, and they're like, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we cast you out. And guess what the demon does? Looks at them. Paul I know. Jesus I know. But who are you? What they were saying is, you have no authority, you have no power, you have no strength, you have no weight to move me the way that you think you can move me. And there's a lot of Christians that you're trying to move things, you're trying to do things that you have no power, strength, or weight to actually move. And I just want you to know, I'm believing and praying that there's some people here that God does something in your life. Because I want to be a Christian that when I walk into a room, guess what? Darkness flees. Oh, guess what? When I pray, demons tremble. Oh, when I, when I pray for somebody, bodies are healed and bondages can be broken. But in order to do that, i got to have some weight, some substance in my life to see it happen. You're, you might be moving just this, but God wants you, you know, maybe start here. You're like, all right, this, is, this isn't bad. This isn't too bad. Right? But, man, we need Christians that are like, and it's just a visual, right? But that are like, yo, I can handle the heavy stuff. I can handle the bondage, right? I can handle the stuff that nobody else can pray for and do anything with, right? I, I, I can move some things that maybe couldn't have been moved before, but bring me into the room and I am able to move it. Not because I'm so great, but because I have the spirit of God on the inside of me. Anybody hearing me, right? I need to have weight in my life. Do you have weight? Or you just have all these other external measurements? Are you able to move anything? Does anything happen when you pray? Does anything happen when you worship? Does anything happen when you declare a decree? I'll tell you this. It does when I do. Because I've given my life to say, I don't want to be a Christian that can only move that. I want to be a Christian that can move the powers of darkness and hell and every attack of the enemy for my family, for my marriage, for my ministry, whatever it is. How do you gain weight in God? How do you gain weight in the Lord? In order to have weight in God, you have to wait on God. We're bad at waiting. We have good intentions, but we're bad at waiting. Many times we're not waiting with a T, we're waiting with a D. You're like, oh, what? This is what wade means. Wade, to wade in or through something, means to walk through something while only being partially immersed. If you want weight in God, you have to stop only being partially immersed. You have to be fully immersed. Many, many of us think we're waiting, but we're actually waiting. This is what this looks like. We um, are having our prayer time, but we're still working, right? Sending texts, we're answering emails while we're trying to pray. 
We, we are in church, but we're also on social media. Ooh. I saw y'all put your phones away just now. Right? I saw you. I saw you. We're, we're on Sabbath maybe, but we're, we're taking phone calls, right? We're, we're, we're okay with, man, we're, we're, we're waiting on God, but we're only doing it once a week. We're waiting on God, but maybe it's only between 11 and 12.30. We're, we're waiting on God, but we're, only, we're doing it while we do other things. We're not waiting, we're waiting. And maybe the reason why you're so tired is because you haven't been waiting on God. You've just been waiting through life, even spiritually. You're just waiting. You're just trying to, you're just trying to make it through. You're just trying to make it through. I don't read my Bible while I'm texting. Come on, we've all been there. We, are we on that Bible app? And then, oh, we get a text. All right, we're answering that. We're waiting through life. But <laughs> this is what it says in Isaiah 40, 31. This famous verse tells us, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I think we read this and this is what we do. We automatically think that if we wait on God, it's going to help us for our natural lives. And it can be that, but I'm about to ruin this verse for all of you. Because it's actually not about that. We think, oh, if I spend time with God, it will give me energy to get through the day. Oh, if I wait on him, I'll be able to keep working hard. If, if I put him first, I'll be able to get most of my stuff done. Come on, how many of you have prayed, God, help me just get my stuff done? <clears throat> I do. I have. Mm-hmm. I've thought this before. Oh, God, I'm going to wait on you so that I can get everything done. That's, that's how we think because we're in America. If I seek him, then I'll have the energy to keep on going. But remember, all those things are external And God doesn't care about that as much. He cares, but he doesn't care about it as much. Could it be that when we wait on the Lord, it's not for this measurement to become greater, but it's so that this measurement can become greater. What what if the reason why you're supposed to wait on God isn't so the the outside things can increase, but it's so that what is on the inside of you can increase, right? What, What if the reason why I wait on the Lord, it's so that I can renew my strength spiritually so then I can move mountains, what, what if the reason I wait on God is so that I don't grow weary so then I can take down spiritual giants? What, what if I wait on God not so that I can produce more for him but so that he can produce more in me? What, what if I wait on God not so that my output can be greater but so that his input could be greater into my life? What, what if I wait on God? It's not about what I can do more of. It's about giving him more access to me. What if that was the point? Waiting on God is supposed to give us more weight and substance, not more energy and production. I've got 
to have more weight. Worship team, you can come. More weight, more weight. And the reason why I have to have more weight is because when you have more weight, you're usually able to do more with little anyway. But I got to have more weight because I got to move things in the spiritual realm. Oh, I got to see. I got to have more weight because I got to see bondages break. I, I got to have more weight because I, I'm still praying for, for relationships to be restored. I, I, I got to have more weight because guess what? I'm still believing for my parents to be saved, man. Hey, hey I got to have more weight because when I do have kids, they're not going to be the enemies. They're going to be the Lord's. I, I, I got to have more weight because guess what? When I'm facing spiritual attacks and spiritual battles, I'm going to overcome those spiritual battles and those spiritual attacks. Oh, I got to have more weight because my life is bigger than just me. I got to have more weight. I can't live life. I can't live life weak spiritually. I can't leave, I can't live life empty spiritually. <clears throat> I'm going to share a gospel story with you really quick and then we're going to have an altar call. But this is going to change somebody's life. When Lazarus died, it was a really big deal. Jesus was away. He hears that Lazarus, it's like his brother, died. And he comes to the edge of the city where Lazarus is, and it says he hangs out there a few days. And Mary and Martha, who are sisters, and they're, they're sisters with Lazarus, so their brother just died, and they're very close to Jesus. They're almost like brother or sisters to Jesus. Jesus is like their brother. And then they run out. Martha runs out first and says, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Why weren't you here? Why didn't you do anything? You are the Christ. You are, you're like a miracle worker. You're able to do this. And it says, Jesus stays out of the city. He waits. He doesn't move. And then after Martha goes, Mary comes. And Mary comes to Jesus and says the same, you can read it, the same exact thing that Martha says. Jesus, why weren't you here? Lazarus died. You're the son of God. You can do this. They're essentially both saying, do something. And it says, when Mary gets done talking to Jesus, this, the quote, he says, I think it's John 11. He says, take me to where you have laid him. You're like, how does that have anything to do with what we're talking about? This is crazy. If you really think about this, this is crazy. Same situation, same time pretty much, same Lazarus, same Jesus. They say the same thing. Why does Jesus move when Mary speaks and not when Martha speaks? Because this is going to change somebody's life. Because if you read earlier, it was Mary that had had the habit of sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha was busy taking care of, where's my tape measure? Here it is. Taking care of all the external things, right? Making sure the party was good, making sure everything's good, serving, whatever. And then it's Mary that is at Jesus' feet. And in order to move 
God's hand, you have to first move God's heart. But if you're going to ever move God's heart, you have to get at God's feet. And Martha wasn't able to move Jesus because she didn't have a habit of being at Jesus' feet. But as soon as Mary comes onto the scene and speaks, guess what? It did something to Jesus. Oh, it shook Jesus. It moved Jesus. It prompted Jesus. Why? Because she had been at his feet. And there's many people here, you've been praying, you've been asking, you've been believing, and you've been wanting to move God's hand, but you're not able to move God's hand because you don't have his heart. And the only way you get his heart is by being at his feet. If you would stand with me. I believe there are people here I'm telling you this that God wants us to be a church in America God wants you to be somebody God wants you to be a couple or a marriage or or, or just an individual God wants you to be a person that has weight in your spiritual life that he wants you to be able to pray and see people healed. He wants you to be able to see uh, marriages and relationships restored. He wants you to be able to be used to speak. And guess what? Demons flee and darkness trembles and people are safe. He wants to use you and and, and he wants his hand to move, but we first have to be able to move his heart. God is calling people today to say, hey, will you be somebody that begins to wait on me? Will you be somebody that begins to say, you know what? I will be with you, Lord. I will be with you, Jesus. And I'm just telling you this, the way that we see cities change, the way that we're going to be able to move the heart of God, the way that you're going to see God move in your situation, the way that we see resurrection power in our lives, the way that we catch the Lord's attention, and the way that we have weight in God is not just by being here, not just by coming, not just by showing up. It is by waiting and sitting at the feet of Jesus simply because we want him. I believe there's people here today that want that, that desire that. There's, in fact, there's people here today that you've been fighting for something. You've been contending for something. You've been believing for something. You've been asking God for something and you haven't seen it break, you haven't seen it change, you haven't seen it move and God's saying it's because you don't have the weight to move it but he wants to start giving it to you today he wants to start giving it to you this morning, he wants to give you that first that first uh, wave of a new weight, a new spirit, a new depth in him so that you can start moving the things that you've been trying to move, seeing the things change that you've been believing that they're gonna change and overcoming the things that you've been trying to overcome but you haven't been able to. It's because you don't have the weight for it yet. But God says if you come and if you're honest about that, I'll give you the weight that you need to see the breakthrough that you've been wanting to see, to see the things you've been wanting to change, to shift the things that need to shift. So if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm gonna ask that you would lift up your hand and I'm gonna count to three to make it easy for you. But you you just need to be honest.
honest. You need to be truthful. You say, God, I, I need to start waiting on you. Oh, I need to be able to move your heart. I need to get at your feet. There's one people that are doing that, and then there's other people that say, man, I'm in a battle. Oh, I'm in a struggle. Oh, I'm in a fight. Oh, I need something to move and break, but not, it's not happening. God wants to give you the weight for that right now. On the count of three, if that's you, lift up your hand. One, two, don't, don't depend on somebody else. Come on, three, lift up your hand if that's anybody here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands going up, hands going up. If your hand is lifted, I'm going to ask that you would come up to the front. Come to this altar. You can come by yourself. You can come with your family. Whatever it is, we're going to minister to you. Come on. Come up to this altar. Don't be ashamed. Come on. You're about to get a weight in the Lord. You're about to get a weight in God. And I want you to know it's not going to come just from this. It's going to come from every day going and being at your feet. We're just practicing right now. Come on. I want you to begin to... To, to pray, begin to ask him, God, I need your help. God, help me to wait on you. God, help me, Lord, to wait on you. Help me to wait on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you don't know what to say, that's okay. That's fine. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be sincere. Lord, God, help me. Come on, let's pray, guys. Let's, let's lift up our voice. Let's begin to ask him, God, give me a weight in you. God, help me to move certain things that need to be moved. Help me to change the things that need to change. Help me to break off the things that need to be broken off. Come on. prayers are powerful. I just want to say that to somebody. You don't need to be ashamed of your prayers. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are powerful. Come on. Father, we just pray right now. We pray right now, right now, right now. Oh, we pray for a greater weight in the Lord. We pray for a greater weight. Oh, we pray, Lord, for things. Oh, we pray, God, for spiritual substance, Lord, to come forth, and it would come by being in this posture right now in Jesus' name. Being in this posture right now is how we do it, is how we do it, is how we do it. Lord, you you give grace to the humble is what your word says. God, as we humble ourselves, we get weight. As, as, as we humble ourselves, things begin to change and shift in us first. Oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, God, I just pray over him right now. God, I just declare his prayers are going to move mountains. His prayers are going to move mountains. The enemy's been lying to him and saying, and saying, no, 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 your prayers aren't even being heard. No, your, his prayers are filling a bowl, and that bowl is about to tip. That bowl is about to tip. That bowl is about to tip. So I pray that he would just begin to be strong in his prayer life. Strong in his intercession. Strong in those things. Come on, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying. Hey, just begin, even if you're repeating yourself, that's okay. We're learning. You're coming and saying, God, give me weight in you. God, I gotta have you. God, help me to be at your feet. 
God, give me the strength, give me the, not just to endure this, but I pray for the strength to push back darkness, to, to disarm the enemy, to break through every power and principality, oh, to overcome every battle and every fight and to receive every victory, yes. This is what the Lord says. The posture that you're in right now is the posture that you must be in to keep receiving weight. So many times we answer an altar call and we either get on our knees or we have our whatever, whatever we look like. And we get the weight we need, but then we leave and we never enter into that posture again. And God is telling you right now, we're going to stay in the posture as practice. But when you go home, it's this same posture that keeps allowing the weight to come. That keeps allowing the strength to come. That keeps allowing the breakthrough to come. It's this posture that keeps allowing you to go up in weight and not other things. So I just want you to keep crying out to the Lord. We're going to stay here for a moment, okay? All right, stretch your endurance a little bit. Stretch your endurance, all right? I know it's a little long, but come on. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep pushing. Oh, come on. It's this posture. Yes. Yes, it's this posture. Yes, it's this posture. It's this posture. Oh, it's a symbol. It's a, it's a posture of covering. It's a posture of protection. It's this posture. It's this posture that's going to see things change and shift and break through and be protected and guarded and covered. It's this posture. Yes, we, we will remain in this posture, Lord. Oh, in our hearts and in our minds, we will remain here. We will remain here. Come on, we have to have the power to remain. Have the power to remain. Have the power to remain. Yes, you're doing good, guys. You're doing awesome. You're doing awesome. Come on, it's right here that things happen. It's right here that things change. It's right here that things shift. You're doing what other people don't want to do. Other people want to just answer an altar call, feel better, and go home. But no, we're going to have a new posture. Come on, you're going to have a new posture in your life. You're going to have, I feel something on that. You're going to have a new posture on your life. You're not just coming up here to feel better. You're coming up here to actually change. Come on. Good. This is so good. This is so good. Oh, yeah. You're learning. You're learning how to wait. And you're getting weight right now. You are getting weight right now. You are getting weight. I don't know what it looks like, but you're getting something. And other people need it. Other people need it. Other people need it. But it has to come to you and through you first. It has to come to you and through you first. 
await, 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 await. Come on. about to feel something lift. Oh yeah. Something lift, something lift. Hey, he's giving you strength not just to make it through. He's giving you strength to have victory. Come on. Yes. He's giving you strength to move things. Continue, continue, guys. We're good. I just want to share something for you. I just uh, felt this from the Lord that um, um, stop believing the lie that your prayers don't do anything. Um, your prayers are going to move mountains. Your prayers are going to move mountains. What's your name? Brian. Brian, can I pray over you? Your prayers are going to move mountains. I don't know if that's for family, work, personal, maybe all the above. But your prayer, you need to start seeing your prayers as things that do move mountains, even if it doesn't happen right away. Father, we just pray right now for Brian. We pray that he would believe that his prayers move mountains. We don't pray sometimes because we actually don't believe it's doing anything. But as soon as we can realize, oh, our prayers do something, oh, it becomes addicting to pray. Oh, we're just going to pray. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see that mountain moved. We'll see that giant taken down. We'll see that sea split. So I pray right now over Brian that his prayers will move mountains. His prayers will change things. His prayers will split seas. His prayers will take down giants. And I pray that he would begin to feel that and see that. And I even pray that he would see the results of it and he would count it, not as a coincidence, not as, oh, a happenstance, but no, it would he would count it as, man, my prayers did that. My prayers allowed that to happen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We pray for that now. We pray for that now.
let me pray. I think he has a word for you, but I don't know what it is yet, so I'm just going to pray. Is that okay? Father, we just pray right now over Abby. I just pray that the weight that she's carrying that is not from you would be lifted right now. Lifted right now. I pray right now she'd begin to feel lighter. That, Lord, that you didn't give her that weight to bear. You didn't give her that weight to carry. I don't know what it is, but I pray that that would just be, it would be lifted off of her in Jesus' name. She's been asking you to help her carry it, but you're saying to her, I never asked you to carry it. So I'm at, so let's get rid of it. So I pray that it would be lifted now in Jesus' name. It would be lifted now in Jesus' name. Mm. Abby, I just feel that the Lord wants you to, yeah, remove whatever weight you're putting on yourself or maybe what other people have put on you because the Lord would say, I didn't give that to you because my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So it's feel, it feels heavy and you don't have to help ask me to um, help you with it because I didn't give it to you. I didn't give it to you. I don't know what that burden is. I don't know if it's a past thing, situation, circumstance you're going through, person you're dealing with. But he says, hey, it's okay. Let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it so that you can receive the right burdens, the right things to carry. I just release that to you. just want to release one more word. I gave a word in first service, but this is actually going to be a different one, so write both of them down for Waterhouse. Um, that this, that Waterhouse is and will have a, just have a new posture. Just a new posture. And people would see it. People would feel it. Even people that don't even really know about church, they would just be like, dude, this is, this is different. This is different. It's because you have a new posture. The breakthrough, listen to this, the breakthrough is in the posture. The, your breakthrough is in your posture. You can ask for a breakthrough, but not have the right, not have the 
posture to receive it. The, your breakthrough as an individual, but also as this church is in the posture. It's easy. You ever been in a picture, right? This is like the vision I get. The, the, you've been in taking a picture and they like put you in like a super weird posture. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, no way this looks good. And then the picture comes down. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Is that yeah. just me? That's like the image I get for Waterhouse. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward. You're going to be like, ain't no way this is going to be good. But then after the fact, you're going to be like, oh my gosh. That was exactly what, where I needed to be and how we needed to look. The breakthrough is in the posture. So can we just pray over that? Pray that for your family. Pray that for your family. Pray that for this church. Pray that for you. God, this posture has to remain or you'll just, you'll just have moment to moment things and you won't ever actually receive weight. Or you won't keep weight, I should say. I believe some of you received it, but you're going to keep it by being in the same posture. So, Father, we just pray right now. We don't care how the posture feels or looks or what we think. I pray that the posture that we are in today would start being the normal posture when we're at home. Normal posture when we're at church. Normal posture in our, in our, in our workplaces. There are even people that are going to start praying in their workplaces. They're going to get down on their knees and begin to pray in their workplace because it's the posture that we have to have. It's the posture. There's people that, man, you go home and home is rough, but you're going to make a little prayer closet and have the same posture. There are some people that are going to start fasting and praying because it's the posture. That's what it's going to look like. So I pray for that posture to remain and no matter how awkward it feels, no matter how weird we think it looks, no matter what we think, oh no, that we would say, okay, like this, I'm going to do it. And then we would see that's exactly the posture we needed to be in. That's exactly the thing we needed to do. That's exactly what had to happen. And the reason is because, because God, that's how God moved in it. So Lord, I pray for individuals today. I also pray for Waterhouse Church that their breakthrough would be in their posture. In your name we pray and we seal this. Amen.